That sound, I can't wait to hear that for real, like on actual television. That'd be, that, that would be awesome. Sounds like we're getting closer, right? Last I heard reports, uh, mid-July is when NFL teams can start getting back into the facility. Yeah. And the Redskins are going to be here in Ashburn, not in Richmond this year because of whatever reason. Would you right. guys do training camp with it being in Asheville? Well, I don't, I doubt they'll allow it. Like, yeah, I don't I think Yeah. That's the but question. Will they actually? Year, like, would you guys would you guys want to go back to training camp? I mean, if it's in Ashburn, sure. I mean, I'll go if it's in Richmond. I just get lazy whenever it happens. It's usually during the week, and I'm like, I have to have a job. I have to maintain this job. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Richmond's not far, but I imagine like on the days where they have training camp open, I bet I-95 is just miserable to get on, um, I mean, as it is usually. I-95 is miserable in the summer. Because everybody's trying to go yeah. to Virginia Beach. It's tough. It right. took me three hours once, three and a half hours to get there to Richmond once. It was bad. But that's the story for another day because today is part two of Hall of Fame or not. Mm-hmm. Um, Pete can't be here with us. So we got JK because JK couldn't be here last time. So we had Pete. And it's just an interchangeable group, you know. Huge, huge upgrade. We'll <laughs> see. We'll see depending on what he says. We'll see what he, what he says. But what first, I want to start out with where we left off last time with our quarterbacks. Because there's a tie on our votes. And, JK, you're going to break the tie, okay? Let, let me hear it. Okay, so the three candidates for um, quarterback were Michael Vick, as the first was Arash's option. Um, ben Roethlisberger was Pete's option, right? And I had said Eli Manning. You get one vote. Who's getting your vote? Ben Roethlisberger, without a question. What? Without a question. <laughs> The thing is, he doesn't, he doesn't get to hear any of the arguments that we made in support of our candidates, and he has that, to go that, back. That's the tricky part, but, I mean, if you look at it holistically, all right, as much as I love Michael Vick, and, yes, he did change the game, what – like, he – the only reason why he's even in contention is because he changed the game, right? Yeah. It, it's not because of his numbers were better than everyone else. It's not because – uh, you know, like he won over and over and over and over again. Like you can't make the argument for either one of those two things. The only argument that you have for him is he changed the game. And on top of that, because he got in trouble during his career and granted, like he paid the price for that and he came back and he was somewhat successful when he came back. It's such a limited amount for him. Yeah. So for me, the re- the two real people that you're talking about are going to be Eli and Big Ben. And that's Big why ben. I said, what? <laughs> I'm sorry? And that's why I said, what? Be- Eli's basically had two seasons where he came in as like a six seed and crushed it, uh, crushed the playoffs, beat the Patriots, and won some Super Bowls. Big Ben... Did, has a overall much better career, in my opinion, consistently winning. He has – does he also have two Super Bowls or does he have three? He has two as well. Okay. But if you just overall look at those teams that he helped, look at the wide receivers that he helped make happen, and overall I just think it, it's without question Big Ben. I've actually uh, had this argument, and I've kind of looked at it between Eli and Big Ben, and I've gone with Big Ben every time. Okay, I'm going to throw one thing at you, and then we can close this and move to defense, okay? 
Let's throw one stat, okay? They both have two Super Bowls. And that's the biggest game that anyone can be a part of, right? Like, that's where, like, legends are made, right? Yeah. Eli Manning in those two games was MVP both times. Ben Roethlisberger was never the MVP. Just want to throw that out there and see what happens. That's fine. Uh, I mean, like, Eli Manning also beat the, the greatest, as much as I hate to say it, the greatest Super Bowl team period in the Patriots, right? Like, I, I would like to also throw in that argument to my argument and see if you'd like to reassess. No, I, and I, I still do not reassess because if you look at their overall career, it's not necessarily just getting put on the big stage. For me, a Hall of Famer is your whole entire career. Right? How did you about like elevate Fine. the game? Fine. Right? I concede. I concede. Is that what you want? You got it. I concede. Damn it! <laughs> I won nothing last week. I won well, nothing. wait. The thing that should make you reassess picking Big Ben over Eli is this: think about all the great receivers that Big Ben has had, and you mentioned it. Maybe Big Ben has made them great, or maybe they were just great athletes as well. But regardless, the fact is that there have been great receivers playing with Big Ben. Now think about all the great receivers that have played with Eli. Maybe one, maybe two that you can think of off the top of your head compared to what, the five, six, or seven that you can think of for Big Ben with Heinz Ward, Emmanuel Sanders, Plexico Burris, um, Antonio Brown, Mike Wallace. That's one thing. Now, even with all that, right now, up to this point in time, Eli just retired, right? But up to this point in time, Eli and Big Ben have played the same number of seasons, right? They came in in the same 2004 draft. Guess yeah. who's ahead of who in the all-time passing touchdowns list? Eli's ahead of Big Ben, and they played the same number of seasons. Guess who's ahead of who in the all-time passing yards list? Eli's ahead of Big Ben, even though they played the same number of seasons. Don't even say interceptions. Big, Don't say interceptions. Even though Big Don't Ben has had all those great receivers. So if you're looking at them up to this point in time, that they played the same number of games, the same number of seasons, Eli's just a little bit better. Even though Big Ben's still playing, he's going to continue past Eli one or two more seasons he plays. But so The argument that I have regarding the touchdowns and the passing is the Giants also always had to play from behind a lot more than the Steelers. The Steelers always had to play up. The Steelers were always great teams because of Big Ben. And right? the defense. And defense, the defense, too. And, the defense. And, the defense. and great coaching. Big Ben has been in a situation where his career has been pretty nice because of everything, the environment around him. Yeah. Right? The, unfortunately, that goes into this. That, that's part of it. It's not necessarily just the player. It's, it, yeah. This is basically the same scenario that happens to any rookie quarterback that comes in. Depending on your situation kind of makes or breaks you, right? The, yep. The average quarterback can look great if you have great coaching, great wide receivers, you know, a strong running game, which the Pittsburgh Steelers generally always have had uh, a strong running game. And, you know, that's kind of why those numbers are skewed. But the, the main focus point for me is if you look at all of that stuff, you just see that the Steelers have always been consistently in the playoffs. They've consistently always been winning. And for me, that is always on the shoulders of the quarterback. When you go and look at the Patriots, the, and, and as much as I always made this argument, I, I personally feel like any quarterback can go into that system and be successful. But we'll see this year. Time, huh? 
We will see this year. We well, will see say, this. Look, look at Matt Castle. He was a Pro Bowl quarterback when, uh, when he had to go in for Tom Brady, the one season Tom Brady was down. And you know what? Like, I, I personally feel like any quarterback in that system would be successful. And Tom Brady made a whole career about it, and now he's known as the greatest quarterback of all time. Like it, it's part of the it's part of the job, you know. Like you have to deal with the cards that are given to you, and that's personally why I feel like um, Ben Roethlisberger is better, and it's mostly because of the system that he's given. And as Football. far as the receiver argument, mm-hmm. a lot could be said to the point that a lot of those wide receivers, when they did move on, weren't necessarily as successful as they were with the Steelers. Plexico is the one guy that was on both teams, and he was good at both before he shot himself. Yeah. Even Emmanuel um, Sanders has been good. Yeah, and Emmanuel like Emmanuel Sanders has been good. Plexico was better on the Steelers, in my opinion, and then, you know, he's still decent on the Giants. But, like, look at Santonio Holmes, um, Martavius Bryant. Like Martavius Bryant has his own issues outside. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, like, that, that's okay. just basically – Everything you got to see. I tried, Gogia. My bad. Thanks, man. Uh, We won't tell Pete that he won. Um, (laughs) We won't tell him that. Um, Okay. So, we're back at it for round two. This is on the defensive side. So, like we did last time, each of us will nominate a player and make our argument. We'll have a little, you know, back and forth about it. And then we will vote. You can't vote for your own player because then we'd be in this tie. And that surprisingly happened when we didn't vote for our own player. So, um, can't vote for your own player, and we'll see who gets into our Hall of Fame based on our nominees. And we're, and we're doing picking one from each level of the defense, right? Yep. D-line, linebacker, uh, defensive back. Um, which then, like, an edge rusher is then what, technically? I would consider them a D-lineman. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. But it's kind of a weird hybrid, right? Um, yeah, some players play both, or some players uh, start their career playing one and then transition and playing another the second half of their career. So it's a little bit of a blurred line. So we won't be too stingy if someone classifies someone as one or the other. Um, cool. no, but who sense. wants to kick it off? Rush, why don't you kick it off? I want you to – let's go in reverse order and uh, this time. If you want. Yeah. You don't have to. I don't want to start D-lineman. I'm actually curious to see what uh, one of you guys says. Um because this one was the hardest one, I thought, at least. For the players that we were considering, DeMarcus Ware, Richard Seymour, Simeon Rice, and Jared Allen, I actually had a hard time. The other two, I'm so confident on who I've selected. But for DN, I was actually hoping one of you guys would persuade me. I like – so me and J.K. talked beforehand. JK, I forgot <laughs> this guy somehow, and I don't know why. So I'm going to let J.K. – you want to kick it off? Well, yeah, I mean, this is kind of like the gimme. Like, there's no way that you don't go with my guy. Um, personally, like, I, I just happened to notice that he wasn't on, like, this list that w- of players that we all thought of. Uh-huh. Personally, like, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion, is Julius Peppers. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, like, he is fourth overall in career sacks, second overall in forced fumbles and tackles for a loss with 175 and 52 a pop, Right. Uh, career sacks once uh, 59. Sorry, I don't got my glasses on. <laughs> no, he's a nine-time Pro Bowler. And here's the thing. He was a Pro Bowler from the beginning to pretty close to the end. You know, like he, he made the Pro Bowl 
all the way down in 2015. I mean, like that's over 11 year stretch. You were kind of making the Pro Bowl. Three time first team All Pro, three time second team All Pro, Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2002. And he's a member of the All Decades team across two separate decades, right? And even for a team like he is, like, think. Think about the Chicago Bears. For I mean, like, this is such a small thing in my opinion, but, like, I, I just thought it was kind of significant that if you think about it, like, he was a member of the Chicago Bears for a short while, and mm -hmm. even then, he still got labeled as one of the 100 greatest Bears of all time. And think about all the defensive players that have gone through yeah. that. So, personally, like, I, I feel like without a question, you can't go – with Julius Peppers. And the reason why, like, you know, like, Gogi and me were kind of talking about it. The reason why he didn't even have him on his list is because he just retired so recently. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, he had a great career, played for three separate teams, kept coming back to Carolina to fully retire. And, you know, hopefully he's young as the next Julius Peppers. <laughs> well, this is – go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You're, you're supporting this candidate, right? So you provide your – Supplemental oh, no. argument. I, I had another guy. I, I agree with his, but I was going with someone else. Um, so I was going between I was going between Jared Allen and Richard um, Richard Seymour, uh -huh. right? And Richard Seymour doesn't have the numbers that Jared Allen does. So I'm gonna go with Jared Allen, but I want to make one point for Richard Seymour before I dismiss him. Mm -hmm. When when Richard Seymour became eligible. Um, Bill Belichick, arguably one of the best coaches of all times, said that that defense was as good as it was because of Richard Seymour, and those three championships were m as much him as the next guy, right? Mm -hmm. So if that's worth anything in that argument, I don't <laughs> think it is. So I didn't go with him. I, I went with Jared Allen because I didn't think of Julius Peppers, which is kind of annoying. But, look, he's third all-time in – tackles for loss, and 12th all-time in quarterback sacks, which is probably not as good as Julius Peppers, but whatever. I don't care, okay? Julius Peppers isn't eligible for another five years, so I don't want to hear it, okay? Julius, <laughs> Peppers, Julius Peppers was a freak. Yeah, I actually forgot about him completely as well, and I'm just looking him up right now. This dude was freaking 6'7", 295 pounds. So if anybody who was listening last week's episode, you saw how much of a big deal I made about Calvin Johnson being 6'5". Here you have a defensive end, 6'7". That's insane. I don't know what the record is for the tallest NFL player in NFL history, but Julius Peppers is competing for the number one spot. Um, in addition to all his other career stats that uh, JK just mentioned, he's uh, in the top five of. 6'7 is huge. And um, when I was uh, talking last week about Julius Peppers being or Calvin Johnson being 6'5", and Randy Moss only being 6'4". I didn't think anybody could be taller than 6'5". And then here you go, Julius Peppers at 6'7". And he was a beast. Um, any of the stats that I had for these other guys, they don't get close to the number of Pro Bowls, the number of All-Pros. Um, fourth career sacks um, on the sacks list is pretty insane. The um, person that I was – the only argument I guess I can make between Julius Peppers and the other guys, um, and this kind of supports your selection, uh, Gogia, is that all these guys were first-round picks, right? Um, mm -hmm. Julius Peppers, number two overall pick. 
So Marcus Ware, number 11 in the first round. Richard Seymour, number six in the first round. Simeon Rice, number three in the first round. Jared Allen was a fourth-round pick, yeah. and he was a gem. Like, he was playing for these uh, small market, no-name teams like the Vikings and the Chiefs. And, like, sure, now the Vikings and the Chiefs are, you know, top NFC, AFC contenders. But when he was playing for them, barely. Only until the back end of his uh, career were the Vikings actually, like, competing. And so that kind of impresses me, one, because he was a fourth-round pick, two, because he was on these, like, small market teams. Um, and I guess you can make the same argument for some of these other guys. Um, but the only person that gets close number-wise is DeMarcus Ware. He's only ninth on the sacks list. He does have the nine Pro Bowls. He does have four All-Pro selections, um, third on the ta tackle for lost career. But at the end of the day, like, it's still not close enough to Julius Peppers. It seems like He's a um he's an easy selection here, and I'm upset about myself that I completely whiffed on him. So yeah, so one thing about Demarcus Ware though is this is the biggest question mark. What position do you consider him? Because personally, I consider him an outside linebacker because that's what he played right outside linebacker edge per se for the Cowboys and the. Uh, Denver Broncos for most of his career. He was that 3-4 outside linebacker. Well, he played for the Dallas Cowboys, right, the good chunk of his career. Just the final three years um, when he got to go to the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, was he playing in Denver? Um, and, yeah, you're right. It, it, from what I'm looking online, it, so, it shows him as a right linebacker the majority of his career and just as a classified as a right defensive end two out of the um, 12 or so years that he was in the NFL. But I guess I always considered him – on the on the D line, um, it, I'm trying it's to. It's tricky when you're looking at those like edge guys, you know, like it's like are, mm. they, are they DNs or are they linebackers, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to picture all the games where I would watch the Redskins play the Cowboys, and like I feel like his hand was always in the dirt. Um, I don't remember him standing up too much, and like honestly, if he was standing up, then he's a liability because he didn't have great uh, hip mobility. He wasn't that quick with his feet. Um, you would want him rushing. That's the kind of player that he was. And his numbers show it, right? Like, I mean, he's ninth in the all-time sack list. He's third for tackle for loss. Um, so he was good rushing down the hill. Yeah. I don't – don't you – correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't he hurt a lot? He wasn't – wasn't he? Or am I just – I could be totally making this up. And I could be thinking of some other uh, other guy from, from Dallas. But I, I feel like at the end of his career, he was hurt a lot. End of his career, yeah, it looks like he may have been. Um, but, like, the first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, first eight years of his career, he played 15 out of 16 games minimum. Um, so that's pretty solid. And, like, he wasn't young by the time he retired. So, like, yeah. he was definitely prone to injuries towards the end. 31 is when he started missing games. Mm -hmm. and yeah. Actually, which is, even when he was 32, he played in 15 games. The last two – Two games of his uh, – two seasons of his careers where he basically missed about Right. I can only I can only make this one argument for both of me and Arash's guys that I can't make for Julius Peppers, even though – look, my vote is Julius Peppers. I want to put that out before I say this. They both have had over – have had at least 20 sacks in a season. Julius Peppers never did that. And they've led the league in sacks both. They've done it both twice. So, I know that that's like – not making any dent in the argument, but hey, Jared Allen's third all the time, and he had 22 sacks in 2011. That's crazy. Like, for a guy I would think is very forgotten, you know, that like 
he should easily be in the Hall of Fame. I think he should be easily in the Hall of Fame. Not over Julius Peppers. I'm not I'm not insinuating that. But I, I do think he should already is he eligible? I forgot what I I forgot what we had if he's eligible already. Not yet. The oh, crazy no, he's thing is, yeah. The crazy thing is I was uh, drooling over uh how tall um and of a physical specimen Julius Peppers is. A lot of these guys are. Uh Jared yeah, Allen's yeah, yeah. six six, Richard Seymour's six six, Simeon Rice is uh, six five. Um yeah. None of them six seven, but still, it kind of shows you why these guys are even in this uh, discussion today. Is because they were just um, physical specimens. Yeah, no, I agreed. I mean, hell, you know, I, to be honest, those guys are all like jacked and ripped, right? And like mm. not carrying a lot of body fat. But like, look at offensive linemen—they're fucking wild. They're yeah. like three hundred pounds and agile and like six five, six six, and whatever. And so like offensive linemen that are like six eight. Some offensive yeah. and stuff. Exactly. And they're the ones stopping these, like, crazy people coming at them. And yeah. successfully, a lot of the time, like, think about it. These guys are only getting, like, at most 20 sacks in a season. That means right. the offensive line are fairly successful at uh, doing their job. But um, Jonathan yeah. Ogden is 6'9". Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. 6'9". Jeez. All right. Well, this one seems like it's a no-brainer. I think Julius Peppers has taken away the vote. Yeah, I, well, I want to hear um, JK vote for somebody else. Who would you vote for? I already know it's not me. Did you guys both basically pick like Jerry? Yeah, just we need Yeah, Gogia just wants to know if he gets a consola- consolation yeah. vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Jared Allen a second. <laughs> there you go, Gogia. You got one finally. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. All right. Hopefully, these next two are going to be a little bit more competitive, but that one was a landslide. Yeah, that was that one was simple. Um, okay, linebacker. Um, who wants to go? I I know who I'm going with. It's if you know, then go. London Fletcher. Ooh. It's easy. It's former Redskin. Former Redskin, Super Bowl winner, and I, he should already be in. Like make a case. All right, this is the numbers. Okay, he's second in combined tackles, combined tackles all time, second in solo tackles all time right? He is 18th in game started, meaning he's always there. He's won a Super Bowl. In that Super Bowl, I, people don't know this, but he had nine tackles, which led the team, which I don't think it led the game, but it led the team. He didn't make the critical one at the end that stopped Eddie George from, from um, getting the touchdown mm-hmm. to win the game. That was Mike Jones, but who cares about Mike Jones? Mm-hmm. He's Arguably the most underrated linebacker of his time. If you look at his numbers versus um, – I'm going to pull it up. His numbers versus a a Ray Lewis – oh, man, I had it. Hold on. Hold on. I have it. I have it. Where'd it go? Okay, I don't have it, but damn it. Oh. They're really close. I'm going to find them when we argue for somebody else. But, mm-hmm. like, he has more tackles than Ray Lewis. He's within, I believe, six sacks of Ray Lewis. He, he is – Totally taken out of the water in interceptions. The dude got could not catch a ball apparently. But with that said, with someone that did not like could not catch the ball, he was top ten in the league in what is it twenty? I think it's 2012, 2011, 2012 in interceptions, and he had more interceptions than guys like Asante Samuels and things like that. He went off that year, thankfully for Washington. It was 2011. Actually, it was 2011, and he led the league in, in tackles as well that year. Mm-hmm. Dude was a beast, and he came out every every single day. 
Here, I got your Ray Lewis numbers. Ray Lewis was number one in all-time tackles combined. He was number one in all-time tackles solo. So it's Ray Lewis and London Fletcher back-to-back. Yes. Um, what were the other stats? You said games started, right? So games started, Ray Lewis is 31st on that list, whereas you said London Fletcher was 18th. So yep. London started more games and still ended up behind Ray Lewis. Um, you had 13 Pro Bowls and seven first-team All-Pros, whereas London, I think, is only four Pro Bowls and yeah. two second-team All-Pros. That's um, but okay. That's rigged. <laughs> What's impressive about London and what I was hoping you were going to mention is that the dude played 16 seasons and Mm -hmm. in all 16 seasons, he played in 16 games. Yep. Never missed him. That's insane. That's impressive. And like, it's not like he was playing in his young twenties until his young thirties. Like he played into his mid thirties where we were just talking about DeMarcus Ware and how it was a no brainer that we would expect him to be missing games towards the last few years because your body just starts breaking down when you're playing this type of game, despite how much of a physical specimen you might be. But London Fletcher kept playing at least 16 games every year for all 16 seasons he was a player. That was one thing you should have mentioned. The other thing you should mention is that in 1998, he wasn't drafted. That was my next point, that he was undrafted. John Carroll University, not even a D1 school, and the dude went on to have a career where he's only number two to Ray Lewis. That's freaking pretty impressive. Yeah, and the fact that he is not in the Hall of Fame right now is shocking. He, 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 I don't, I don't know what a first ballot Hall of Famer looks like, in my opinion. But whatever, the Hall always messes with me because Tory Holt's also not in it. Some bullshit, but whatever, whatever. That's my big. I, I want you to bring someone else with those numbers. <laughs> Go for it. Come for the. If you're gonna come for the king, you better aim for the head. Go for it. J- J.K., give him your best shot. So I personally do kind of agree with Gogia, but at the same time, like I'm going to have to go with Patrick Willis. Mm. Patrick Willis was one of, if not the most dominant middle linebacker in the league during his time. Um, the, the one knock that I would say that he doesn't have is obviously like the, the Super Bowl. Um, but at the same time, you think about it, he was a seven-time Pro Bowler. He was a five-time all first-team All-Pro, one-time second-team All-Pro. So, in seven, uh, I believe he was in the league for what? Eight many? years. Eight years, right? In eight years, he played. He was a six-time All-Pro, and I think the one season he was injured. Yeah. And same thing, like he played. He was in seven Pro Bowls. So, like, you, you do the numbers at that point, right? Like he, he basically was consistent. Um, mm-hmm throughout his whole time. Now, obviously, the one knock is he retired early, um, which mm-hmm. is kind of a thing that's going on now. You know, like you see a lot of players retiring early for health concerns, which is understandable. I mean, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's why his numbers don't pop up like how you have like Ray Lewis's or London Fletcher's or even like kind of when I was going through the list, I, you know, like a player that I saw that was kind of getting nominated over and over again or just recently got nominated was Zach Thomas. And I kind of mm-hmm. looked at Zach Thomas's accolades and I look at, uh, you know, Patrick Willis's. And they're basically the same, you know, like, if not more, like, you know, like, Zach Thomas went to five, five team all pros, you know, and, you know, like, he had uh, the same amount of, like, Pro Bowls, I believe. But at mm-hmm. the same time, like, he played a much longer career 
than Patrick Willis. So for me, it was just kind of like looking at the impact of the game, looking at the impact of that position, you know, as a player compared to like the length of his career. You know, you look at a lot of these uh, players that kind of have gone into the Pro Bowl or uh, a lot of these other things. A lot of them also, a lot of people look at the character wise. Um, and no one ever saw anything bad in Patrick Willis's like character. He was kind of like an amazing player overall. Mm-hmm. Never heard anything wrong about this guy. Add that to London Fletcher's list too. Add that to <laughs> London Fletcher's too. <laughs> Uh, I mean, like, he he was just, like, a good, solid overall player, very dominant in the position, always being that guy that is, like, either one or two, like, of one of the two best linebackers in the league during his time. So, I mean, I had to go with him. Yeah, that's a solid one. And he almost got that Super Bowl added to his resume, right? That one year with the Jim Harbaugh team going against the Ravens, uh, they were that close. And they had a stellar defense with him, Navarro Bowman in the middle. They had – um. Whitner and Goldson in the safety positions. That defense was stacked with uh, playmakers. And I'm happy they didn't win. I, well, I was pulling for the Ravens. But, like, if they would have won, that would have been a cool team to, like, memorialize in history as a dominant defense to go along with an electric offense. Um, so I was going to lead towards London Fletcher as well. Um, reason being, I- I'm sold by the fact of how consistent he was and how much of an underdog he was for not being drafted, right? We are just talking about Patrick Willis, drafted in the first round, top 11. Terrell Suggs, another candidate, drafted in the first round, top 10. Zach Thomas is the other exception, and so I'll make a case for him. Um, you, you mentioned he has 14 seasons, which is much greater than uh, Patrick Willis's eight seasons, right? But he did a lot with that, right? He went, he's fifth all-time in the tackles combined uh, career list, fifth all-time in the tackles solo career list. Um, so he's right behind London Fletcher by a few spots. He was a fifth-round pick, so he's not one of these first-round studs where you expect these guys to be in contention, right? You expect to have this conversation about Terrell Suggs, about Patrick Willis when you're drafting him in the first round. Sure, it's not guaranteed. There's plenty more first-round busts than there are first-round Hall of Famers. Um, But for Zach Thomas to come out of the fifth round and have the kind of career he had, and being 5'11", right? Like, he's a short, stocky guy. You're looking at Patrick Willis, 6'1", Terrell Suggs, 6'3". London Fletcher, though, fits that category as well. He's only 5'10". He's my height, um, playing with these gigantic receivers and running backs running by him. Um, he has the numbers with the seven Pro Bowls that matches Patrick Willis's, that matches Terrell Suggs' seven Pro Bowls. He's five-time All-Pro team. Um, but at the end, like, all these guys are coming from D1 programs, right? Texas Tech for Zach Thomas, University of Mississippi for Patrick Willis, and Arizona State for Terrell Suggs. The only guy who not only didn't go to a D1 school, he didn't go to a D2, D2 school, was London Fletcher, who went to a Division three school, no teams drafted him, and he came and had the career that he had. Um, so I make the case for Zach Thomas, but it seems like, for me, it's a landslide, easy decision to go with London Fletcher. So, go, yeah. yeah, this might be your first one. I have to change my background for this. I'm sorry, but I, <laughs> I got to change my background. I have a background queued up. If I can find my damn mouse. I have it queued up. It's, it's funny it's that you just, have a Cats one when we're talking about football today. <laughs> yeah, I just I saved it for this. I just want to say, hey, there you go. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, it, it's definitely hard to go with the London Fletcher, go against the London Fletcher argument. Personally, the, I think the big reason why he hasn't is because, you know, he's just been kind of gypped his whole career. You know, like, it took him forever That's, to get that first Pro Bowl. Um, it's, I also think that the fucking um, 
fucking what's it called? All pro is some bullshit. Like, how can you be top ten in interceptions, lead the league in in tackles, and then not be first team all pro? I, the yeah. team was terrible. The team was terrible, and that's probably what it is. Because they were five and eleven that year, but still, like, I don't know. Whatever. I, I mean, it's more than just that when it comes to the all pro selections. Like, you were literally like, at the end of the day, I want you to tell me if you have London Fletcher and Patrick Willis, two two players side by side for one season, right? In their prime, who would you take? Be honest. It's I, honestly just. For one season, fine, maybe Patrick Willis, but he's not – again, for a full career, I would take London Fletcher. Career-wise, the, the 16, 16 games every season is a big deal. Like, players don't do that. Like, Patrick Willis left the league because he was too hurt, right, or didn't want to get hurt anymore. That's 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 different, you know? Mm-hmm. In my opinion, for a career, I would take London Fletcher. For a season, sure, I, I would take Patrick Willis. All right, here, yeah, I got a pop quiz for you guys. Ready? Okay. Two of these guys that we've been talking about, so we're talking about Zach Thomas, Patrick Willis, Terrell Suggs, London Fletcher. Two of them have won um, one of these. Uh, they've won the award of Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Can you name which two they were? Oh, I mean, uh, I would think it's Patrick Willis and Zach Thomas. I don't think London Fletcher won it. Yeah. Well, Zach Thomas, London Fletcher – uh, Terrell Suggs and Patrick Willis are the four you can consider. Oh, I didn't know where Terrell Suggs came from. Yeah, Patrick Willis and Terrell Suggs. Yeah. Patrick Willis and Terrell Suggs, that is correct. Now, only one of these four have won defensive player of the year instead of just defensive rookie. I want to say it was Zach Thomas, yeah. It was Zach Thomas? Terrell Suggs. Oh, I was just assuming that – Charles Suggs wouldn't get it because Ray Lewis is always on my team. Yeah, I think this is actually maybe the year that Ray Lewis finally left. <laughs> Charles <laughs> Suggs was able to sign. Uh, it might not That's have been. What... It was 2011 for Charles Suggs. What year did Ray Lewis leave? Ray Lewis may have still been around by then. 2011. Oh, he was. He was still there. That was his second to last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, he's still there. Oh, well, there you go. All right. Let's go to DBs. And well, so this, wait, is the vote unanimous for London Fletcher on that one? I mean, yeah, duh. That's why this screen is here. Come on. It's hard to go against the – like, and granted, we are all three of us are a little bit biased towards it. But, yeah, we're going like, – you can't beat the numbers. And he had a kick-ass career. Yeah, 100%. Yes, I win <laughs> one. Let's go. All right. All right, our, D, our DB expert here, Rosh. You are a DB, uh, like, resident expert. Who do you have? Uh, speaking from stole, my if you stole fred smoot from me i swear to god oh no you'll never get me to vote for fred smoot <laughs> for anything all right let me break down the way i analyze defensive back and the reason i analyze defensive back this way is one because i played it and I'm, i have a very proficient background in analyzing <laughs> this position but no in two the reason i the way i'm looking at this is because in my in my opinion this is one of the hardest positions to play in the nfl I think offense and tackles hard. Obviously, you have to be a savant to play quarterback, but defensive back not only requires the mental fortitude because you got to be able to analyze and break down offenses quickly in a matter of a few seconds, or else it's make or break. But then on top of that, you have to have the physical ability to keep up, run, and physically tackle these supreme athletes. 
Like you can't just be strong like linebackers can, or you can't just be fast like a safety can. You have to be able to do both because you're involved in both the passing and running games every play, every down. And so I, first thing I look at is size. Um, Darrell Revis, one of the candidates we were looking at, 5'11". Richard Sherman, 6'3". Patrick Peterson, 6'1". Rondé Barber, 5'10". So you have a clear distinction between the guys who are six foot and taller and the guys who are shorter, right? Five feet um, something. I have much more respect for the guys that we're considering who are in the five foot range because, dude, you're going against Randy Moss. You're going against these tall wide receivers who you're already at a disadvantage. You could be faster than them. You could be more physical than them. But if you're already five inches shorter than them, we were talking uh, last week about Randy Moss being six four, and you're Rondé Barber at five ten, dude, that's a huge disadvantage. The other thing I look at is the stats that anybody would look at when you're measuring corners, right? You look at what? Interceptions, passes defended, and if you had the chance, touchdowns. Like if you can score as a defensive back for your team, you make the pressure that much easier on your offense. Um, and there's one guy that just runs away with it. You're looking at Darrell Revis, who has 29 interceptions. Richard Sherman had 35 interceptions. Ronde Barber, 47 picks. 47 picks. Not just interceptions. He's second in the all-time list of passes defended, right? So passes you can't pick, at least you make a great play on it. He's fourth all-time in total defensive touchdowns. We were just talking about how if you can have a touchdown on the defensive side to make an impact for your team, you're, you're helping your team win right off the bat. He scored the fourth most defensive touchdowns for a defensive player in NFL history. I hate Rondé Barber. I hate the Buccaneers, and I hate his brother, Tiki, for the Giants, but I have to respect what he did because I think Darrell Revis was a great defensive back. The dude made $124 million in his career. Richard Sherman, $82 million. Patrick Peterson, $94 million. Rondé Barber, nowhere close to any three of these numbers. But he picked off the ball 47 times. He brought 14 touchdowns back. He's 15th all-time in the forced fumbles. Again, another form of creating a turnover for your team. Um, his Pro Bowls and all pros, sure, they measure kind of close to uh, Darrell Revis and Patrick Peterson and these other guys, but he's, he's on the bottom end of those. But he still made plays um, for a guy who's my height, who had that kind of impact. He's got my vote, even though I hate him. Damn, that was, that was who I was absolutely picking. It was, uh, it was, I thought you guys would take the bait on like uh, Darrell Revis or Richard Sherman, to be honest. I thought you guys would take the bait on that. Because I was looking at Rondé Barber, like, it's not even just the interceptions. It's getting the tackles. The guy catches the ball in front of you, you're still tackling him. That's half the battle. Mm -hmm. He's top 25 in tackles, combined tackles. And then game started always fucking playing. Mm -hmm. Availability is your best asset, right? And that's mm – -hmm. you played 20, 232 games, like, at corner. because And that's crazy because corners get aged out very quickly. Corners get aged oh, yeah. out very, very quickly in this league. And to do that is crazy to me. That he did it for such a long time, and then you get a Super Bowl. You can argue that um, the Tampa two—he's part of the Tampa two—that created that whole scheme, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there was another guy on here, um, John Lynch, and I was trying to see if anyone would take him, and maybe J.K. will. But I don't think John Lynch is John Lynch without Rondé Barber. If you yeah. have a lockdown corner, your job as a safety—you can take more risks all the time you can do whatever you need to do and take more risks and look better because you take those risks and not look stupid when you get burned cornerback is the only position in the nfl where 
it's so hard to play it that when a player loses that physical ability to play it, they change your position. Like if you're not going to retire just yet or you're still serviceable, they change you to a safety. If you're playing, if you're getting too old at quarterback, they don't move you to kicker. If you're playing, if you're getting too old at running back, they don't move you to fullback. They don't move an offensive lineman to any other position. Cornerback is the only position where if you're getting into your 30s, but you're still on the team, they'll move you to safety because there's a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more latitude, a little bit more forgiveness at that position to make a mistake and not cost the team big time. But cornerback, you have to have the mental fortitude, but you have to have that physical speed and talent, like pure talent to be able to play that position. You can't not be fast enough to keep up or else they'll move you to safety or else you're, you're out of the league. Yep, exactly. I mean, yeah. And, and corner is also the only position where when you fuck up, it's obvious that you mm-hmm. fucked up. And there's no other position where, like, you can make an excuse for a quarterback that, like, throws a pick. Oh, that guy probably didn't write, run the right route, right? Or, um, you know, like a, a linebacker misses a tackle or whatever. Someone has your back, right? If you mm-hmm. get burned and you're on an island, you get burned. But that's also, like, I also think that that's a big reason why um, Drell Revis is so good. Whoever Drell Revis is on is not getting shit. Go look, oh, at yeah. Revis, go look at Darrell Revis. Go look at Revis's highlights. There's not many where he's getting burned until maybe the end of his career. Like he had that stretch right from like 2011 to 2016 where he was just going off, like locking down receivers. Revis Island was yeah. born, and um, yeah, and he got paid. Like cornerback is a position where if you play like quarterback, if you play well, you're gonna get paid. 124 million dollar career earning for Darrell Revis. Um, Kansas City Chiefs threw money at him. New York Jets threw money at him. New England. Uh, who else do you play for? Buccaneers. Like, they will throw money at you because it's rare to come by someone who could play that position. 100%. I, I, I heard it on some podcast, but I forgot what it was. But he was – they described him as a mercenary. He would go wherever the money was. It mm-hmm. didn't matter. He went wherever the money was until the very end where he went to um, the Patriots. And he still got paid. Don't, like, it wasn't that he didn't get paid. And he got his Super Bowl and then solidified his career at that point. Like, yeah. So, like, it's Darrell Revis. Like, if someone wants to pick Darrell Revis, it'd be hard for me to argue against it. But uh, Ronde Barra, I would go the same way. And, I mean, I'm going to let I'm gonna let J.K. go before I name every person that's ever played cornerback. <laughs> so, because there was another guy. Yeah. Well, number one, I did pick a guy that I would easily pick over uh, Ronde Barber. I mean, Uh-oh. But hey. I, I decided to go again, like, yeah. To be fair, because the guy that I picked is yet again another first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Who is he? Huh? Who is he? Charles Woodson. Charles, Charles Woodson. Woodson. By far is like the best, the best guy out there. Um, now, I mean, like to be fair, like, and I, if I was to kind of go down the list on all these other guys, um, I personally would go with, uh, you know. Patrick Peterson. Um, number one, Rondé, his career accolades are I, – I look at Rondé Barber and I see London Fletcher, right? Mm-hmm. They're both kind of like the same type of player. Like they, they definitely are underrepresented of like – underrepresented of like what their capabilities were. Like their numbers definitely pop up higher than like the credit that they actually got. Mm-hmm. Um, but Patrick Peterson for me is someone who personally I put on the same level as Darrell Revis, right? Darrell Revis, yeah, 
when he was on the Jets, personally for me, this is how I see Rodriguez. When he was on the Jets, automatic lockdown. Like, there's no cornerback ever in the game that was better than him. After he left the Jets, personally, I feel like is where you saw a kink in his arm, right? That's where you'd start seeing, I mean, like, obviously that was a little bit later in his career uh, or mid to late in his career. That's where you saw, like, things kind of, like, slowing down for him. But Patrick Peterson, for me, has been completely consistent across the whole, his whole career. You know, mm-hmm. he is an eight-time Pro Bowler all the way dating from his first rookie season in 2011 to being in the Pro Bowl as recent as 2018. You know, mm-hmm. so he has that consistency across the board. He has that three-time All-Pro career. You know, like he's a member of the 2010 All-Decade team. You know, 25 career interceptions. That's with people not throwing the ball his way. You know, you know he has only two forced fumbles, five total touchdowns. But you got to also realize, like people are not throwing towards him. That that's the argument with cornerbacks. You know. Yeah. You don't. A lot of the great guys, you don't see high interception numbers. You don't see a lot of forced fumble numbers because the ball is always going towards the other side of the field. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's personally why I would go with Patrick Peterson. It's, it's difficult to argue against Rondé when you look at the numbers, but that's the problem. We're not looking at necessarily the numbers. We're looking at the career. And obviously Rondé had a great career. It's unfortunate that he's basically getting the London Fletcher treatment. And he's just not getting the credit that he's due because there's other players that, you know, kind of more flashy that kind of get, get into the Hall of Fame where he doesn't. What, what's wild about Rondé Barber is remember the team that – he won a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Who was the quarterback of that team? Brad Johnson. Yeah. Who, who was their, like, main wide receiver? Wait, they had Keyshawn Johnson, Keyshawn Johnson. right? Okay, but like it wasn't this prolific, lific offense. I feel like like it was it was a good offense. Like it wasn't the worst offense ever being a Super Bowl, but like that defense was nasty. And I mean, I understand that you had what's his name, uh, the defensive tackle. What was his name? Uh, Warren Sapp. Uh, Warren Sapp, right? And he's one of the greatest all time like list. But like, dude, they had players on all. Like they had um, Derek Brooks at linebacker. Yeah. They had John Lynch. Yeah. They had Warren Sapp, Simeon Rice. They, dude, that defense was so. Yeah. You're right. I take that Bill all back. I mean, <laughs> that makes that literally makes Rondé Barber's case way worse. Yeah. It's like if you, it's like it's like the Richard Sherman case, right? Like if Richard Sherman didn't play as well as he did this past year, like everyone would just say Legion of Boom, right? He had he had Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas behind him. Right? Like, he always had them. Like, yes, he was really good. Okay, but even this season, what do they say about – even when they had the Legion of Boom, they always had an amazing front four. Right? Agreed. Agreed. An amazing front four. Same thing that you had over here with San Francisco. You had an amazing front lineup. Agreed. But I don't – I would not say it was better than – I don't think the overall defense was better now than it was in Seattle in their prime. Because he also oh, had help on the – No. Yeah, he also had help. Like, I agree that, like, you're – as a defensive back, you're as good as your line, right? I agree with that, right? So, they both had really good lines. Fine. Let's just call it a wash, right? But then the help up top, when you have Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas, like, in their primes, yo, your life is a lot easier. Like, you can fuck up a lot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I – how are we doing this? What, what's the vote? I, I – 
actually really do like Patrick Peterson. Like Patrick Peterson has been really good for a long time and is still playing. I just want him to leave Arizona so he can like win a championship and ride on to the sunset. Well, that's the catch with Patrick Peterson, right? He's been such a steady beast in Arizona that like you almost forget about him because that team hasn't done anything, right? Similar with uh, Larry Fitzgerald. That one Super Bowl appearance is really all they have. Even though when Patrick Peterson got drafted in the first round, I just looked at him like this stud out of LSU who was going to tear it up. But, like, it's just been quiet. And so, um, I don't know. Like, his numbers are okay. His numbers are not great. His, he's got Pro Bowls and all pros to his name. He's made great money. But um, he's a first-round pick. Like, I feel like he's done what you expect him to do. Darrell Revis was a first-round pick. Charles Woodson, first-round pick. But um, that's the problem, Arash. You got to realize the Hall of Fame doesn't necessarily look like, oh, okay, this guy was drafted in the fifth round and he made it over here. Mm-hmm. You know? Agreed. You look at it like, okay, you're in the NFL. You're good to be here regardless if you're a first or a fifth round pick. Right. Obviously, yeah. Obviously, if you are a higher caliber player, the expectations are higher. So obviously, you got to meet those expectations. Right. right. But that doesn't discount like your career highlights. I agree it doesn't discount it. But so knowing that they come from, they had different beginnings, a first round pick and a third round pick, right? Rondé Barber, Charles Woodson, or Patrick Pierce to be in the first. If we're looking at their careers, Rondé Barber has had a better career. He's got less Pro Bowls to his name, sure, but he's got the same number of all pros and he's got more interceptions, more passes defended, more defensive touchdowns, more forced fumbles. But if you look at the team, he was also on one of the greatest defensive teams of all time. Yeah, but that team only won one Super Bowl, right? Like, so I remember them being good, and I remember them being good for longer than one year. So I agree with that. But in reality, he was there before they were good. He was there long after that team started sinking and uh, sucking again. Um, so he got to ride the wave. He, he was there when they sucked beginning and end, and he was there for the three, four years that they were good, and they got to enjoy that one Super Bowl. Um, but it's not like Patrick Peterson hasn't been in the playoffs. It's not like he couldn't have helped that team get there with Kurt, Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner wasn't there for just one year. He was there for a few years. They had that offense there for a few years. Um, I mean, that defense was wait, – wait, that defense was good. With Patrick Peterson's defense, it was good. Yeah, they had Matthew there. They had uh, – who was it? Entrell Roll at safety. They had Dominique rogers Camardi at the other corner spot. That defense for Arizona was stacked. DRC was – that was DRC's prime. Like, that yeah. was DRC's prime. Like, DRC I mean, actually – regress after he left you were usually it's yeah. the opposite um so Patrick Peterson is a good team I don't but I I I agree with everything you're saying I think that the only thing that I do agree with what um JK is saying is like the I think the story of like where you started needs to be worse than a third round like you know what I mean like the undrafted yeah. story is like a like okay like the Kurt Warner story right I was bagging groceries then I won a Super Bowl that story is a story that gets you in the Hall of Fame I mean, like, I went to an ACC school and went in the third round, and I did okay. That's, that's just but you're, looking, the but you're looking at everything cumulatively, right? You're looking at a guy yeah. who's 5'10 instead of 6'1. Sure, you're looking sure, at a guy sure. who's a third-round pick instead of a first-round pick. Like, Charles Woodson is actually a good counter-argument. I completely whiffed on Charles Woodson as well. And when J.K. brought him up, I immediately started looking into him. Also a first-round pick, right? Fourth overall in the Peyton Manning draft, um, the former Heisman winner. And his numbers line up. He's got almost 20 more interceptions than Rondé Barber. So I was just drooling a minute ago over how 47 interceptions was crazy. Charles Woodson at 65. Um, but passes defended, he's two spots behind Rondé Barber on the all-time list. Defensive touchdowns, he's one spot behind Rondé Barber. 
And he got thrown he, out less. He got thrown out less. Well, so Charles Woodson is one of those examples where he lost his ability to play corner, and so Green Bay moved him to safety wisely enough. Like, he played well yeah. for them, and he got that Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, but Charles Woodson is one of those examples. And I'm sure Rondé Barber was too. Now that I think about it, I can't remember specific plays, but I'm sure Rondé Barber probably transitioned to safety at the end. Um, but it's just like I'm impressed when a guy who's in a five-foot yeah. line of work uh, get, gets to play corner and does it to the level that Rondé Barber did. Yeah. You know the one I, well, that kind of blows me away about Charles Woodson? He was defensive rookie of the year in 1998, right? Mm-hmm. And he was defensive player of the year in 2009. Mm-hmm. So like, you were almost 10 years apart. For a long time, you know? Like, yeah. And like in 2009, you were the best defensive player in the league. And that is being in the league for 11 years. Right. I was going to say, I was like, you finally lived up to your potential. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but he should be defensive player of the year. He's a former Heisman winner. That He's doesn't mean anything. separate decades. It, it is impressive. Yeah, it's impressive. Heisman sure. doesn't mean shit. Didn't, Heisman literally doesn't mean shit. Matt Liner, that's my argument is that. <laughs> doesn't mean, being a Heisman means nothing. It means that, something if you're a defensive player. Sure, but not not no. What type of defensive player you would have to be? Uh, it doesn't outweigh all the offensive players. Sure, sure, but it doesn't matter in the NFL. Is my point? That's what I'm trying to say. Oh yeah, it doesn't I mean, matter. No one gives a fuck. No one's asking about my high school GPA. Thank God they're not, but they're not. <laughs> Do you um, guys remember the last person who won the Heisman who wasn't a quarterback or a running back? The last person. Mm-hmm. Was it Charles Woods? <laughs> That's What's close. Huh? Who, who, do you, who do you think, JK? Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think it's Charles Woodson. I'm looking at it now, and wait, I think wait, it wait. was. Okay, I was going to say, before you say it, uh, yeah, I mean. I think it was, man. That's insane. He was the last player, not even just defense. He was the last player who wasn't a quarterback or a running back to win it. Everybody else has been a quarterback or running back. Um, and it almost like flip-flops every year, but not exactly. Yeah, he's the last person, unless you don't consider Tim Tebow a quarterback and you consider him a fullback. I consider him a bust. Unfortunately. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, I mean, Heisman – actually, it's one of the things that have always uh, surprised me is how the Heisman, who's the best player in college football – can't sometimes equate their skills to the pro level, like a Johnny Manziel or a Matt Leinart, as you mentioned, like there's constant examples. And like, you would expect them to at least be able to be somewhere on some depth chart on some team, but they can't even like maintain or sustain a career. Um, when just a couple months ago, they were voted as the best player, not at their position, not at their team, but at the entire NCAA. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it's like you go to college, right? And you're the best person at your college, like doing, I don't know, biology. But then you go to medical school and you're like, I know nothing, right? Like, yeah, I, guess I, so. I know nothing. It's a different game out here. Lives are at stake. That's, it is a different game, yeah. But yeah, Charles you, got, you got funneled into it. And again, the, the, NBA, the NFL is like the only league where, where you, what situation you come into makes the biggest difference. Like, not the NBA where like you come in and like, I'm just going, I'm Zion. I could have played at like, like Nova Community College, but if I go to the NBA, I'm still dunking on you guys, right? Versus mm-hmm. like the NFL, you can be a great quarterback and then not like look at Lamar Jackson. He's six, 
he's successful now because they want him to be successful versus RG3 they threw under a bus, literally. Mm-hmm. All right, we got to vote then. We got to vote and figure this out finally once and for all. So who are the options? <laughs> we got well, I mean, the options. Wait, Gogia, you went with Rondé Barber as well, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. the two options are basically Rondé or Patrick Peterson because we said Charles Woodson's cheat mode. Yeah, no, I, I, we talked before this thing. I was like, you're not using Charles Woodson, who's going to be a first ballot next year. That's like using Peyton Manning. <laughs> yeah. All right. Patrick Peterson or Rondé Barber. Well, can I vote for Rondé Barber or I have to vote for Patrick Peterson? I mean, I, I, I mean, that's right, awkward. I mean, we, we threw out the numbers. Let's, hey, let's, this is, this is, I'll make it more fun. I'll make it more fun than this, okay? You have to pick between the three, okay? Darrell Rivas, right? Patrick Peterson or um, Richard Sherman? What? You left Rondé Barber out. No, well, because we both had Rondé Barber, it wouldn't be a fun whatever, right? Yeah, like, honestly, it would have been a default Rondé Barber because I would have voted for him anyways. I want to vote for him. I don't want to disqualify him just because he's the right answer. Okay, you can throw Rondé Barber into the four. That if you want to not- consider just the other three without Rondé Barber, I go Darrell Rivas, even though I think Patrick Peterson's had a stellar, con- consistent career. I'll go with Patrick Peterson over there. Oh, it's up to me. This is awkward. <laughs> I, I'm leaning toward Darrell Rivas because he was – I'm leaning towards him only because Darrell Rivas at his at peak was better than Patrick Peterson, and I understand Patrick Peterson has longevity, but Rivas Island, man. Rivas he just Island. had that stretch, man. He had that stretch from 2011 just, to 2016 where he was just on TV all the time. And, like um, – He was at the clubs, man, like – he was at all the clubs, and that's what happened. If anything, club. it's kind of like a red herring because you, you remember that buzz in your memory, and you think you equate that to his success, when in reality, Patrick Peterson, who's just been this quiet player, working hard, being successful, we almost discount his, um, his ability and his uh, productiveness just because he didn't create those buzz over those few off-seasons where Revis was like a free agent and everybody was chasing him and having secret meetings with him in restaurants. Um, but I just, I'll always remember that five or six year stretch where the news just always felt like week after week during fantasy, week after week in the off season, it was about Revis, who's he signing with, where's he going, how is he locking down everybody? Um, yeah, he was, he was. I mean, Patrick Pierce, I believe it'll be, it'll be awkward if we do this five years from now and he's not like five years after his career and we're not talking about him getting into the Hall of Fame. That'd be shocking to me that he doesn't get in. But, I mean, crazier things have happened. I'm not going to lie. Crazier things have happened. Well, the funny thing is, all of these guys on this list may get in, except Rondé Barber. He's, like we said, he's kind of has oh, yeah. the London Fletcher syndrome right now, where he's just kind of being uh, discounted and kind of ruled out um, by those who have the uh, voting ability. Because um, I can, yeah. obviously, Patrick Pierce is going to get there. Revis, you assume, is going to get there. Richard Sherman, maybe he has a hard time. I'm not sure. I mean, he almost won a Super Bowl last year. If he wins one in San Francisco next year, then I think that kind of helps his case even more. Yeah. I guess TBD. They still got careers going, right? TBD. Yeah. TBD. I want to throw one last thing out, and then we can wrap this up. There was one wide receiver we forgot to talk about that was dominant for a few years, and I just ran into it recently. That oh. I just want to know Hall of Fame or not. Remember Andre Johnson? Yeah, I like Andre Johnson. He is a Hall of Famer. Not first ballot, but he is a Hall of Famer. Eventually, right? Eventually. Okay. 
Who right, did he cool. have that fight with? It was like Cortland Finnegan, right? Yeah, Cortland. Yeah. 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 He's a Hall of Famer in my book just for that fight. <laughs> that was awesome. I saw it. That was, that was dope. I had another one, but it's in, I know it's in now, so you can just. <laughs> Steven, remember, <laughs> remember Steven Jackson? Running oh. back? Yeah. It was okay. He was a Ram. Yeah, he was. And, and the Falcons. But, like, he's actually pretty high on the rushing list. No, his numbers are good. And, like, again, he, he's been on a team that wasn't good. And so we kind of probably. Uh, subconsciously discount his performance when in reality he was the only person on that team worth knowing for a good chunk of time. And he played well when he went to Atlanta when he was already yeah. like in his 30s. Yeah, he's he's 18 all, overall. And the people around him are – people below him are John Riggins, Corey, De, um, Corey Dillon, O.J. Simpson, Ricky Waters, and Tiki Barber and stuff like that. But, yeah, okay, cool. I just want to throw those out there. I just J.K., J.K., how many running backs do you think – have played in the NFL, in the entire history of the NFL? What kind of question is this? I don't know, like 3,000? <laughs> what, what do you more, count? As? More than 3,000. NFL, how long has the NFL been around? They just had their 100-year anniversary the other day, right? The uh, other like year. Like 10,000 running backs? Let's say there's three running backs per team times 32 teams every year, right? 96 times, let's say, 100 years. 9,600 running backs, okay? How 9,600 running backs, probably more, have played in the NFL. Where do you think Michael Vick is on the all-time rushing list when he's considered with all these running backs out of 9,600 running backs? Don't, don't look at the list. Don't look at the list. <laughs> out of 10,000 running backs, roughly, in the history of the NFL, these guys who have top offered, 50. huh? Top 50. Almost. Top 80. I think he's like 84. That's insane. 85. For running back. But for running back. Here's the thing. You, you got to discount the players that didn't matter, right? Sure, but, yeah. It's not like all. You got 10,000, right? But you also, like, there's guys that are in that 10,000 list that made the team that never played it down. So cut that 10,000 into one-fourth, right? Okay. So now you're okay. looking at 2,500, and he's still 85th out of 2,500. Okay. And he wasn't even a runner. Like, his job is to throw the ball first. But that's the okay. problem. Yeah, but then look that's at all the, the quarterbacks that ever <laughs> played. And they're like, yo, like, who threw more, like, passing yards? You're, this is your job. I get that you can do another job. It's like, like he's, working he's a He's still high on the passing list, I'm sure. It's like working at Taco Bell, but being really good at making burgers, right? Like, you're really good at making burgers, and maybe we can utilize that here, but your first job is to make tacos, motherfucker, is to make tacos. Okay, here That's we Michael go. Vick. Passing touchdowns, Michael Vick. Where do you think he is, JK, on the all-time list? I don't think he's top 50. Okay, he's not top 50. Which I think is the problem with him. But that's actually, you're actually complimenting him. For a guy who was spending all that time and attention running to get to 85th on the all-time list, you would think that he'd be so far down on the passing touchdown list or so far down on the passing yard. The problem is you're a quarterback. Uh Uh-huh. Regardless of how much you run, you got to still be able to pass the ball. Okay, and he did. He's 103rd on the passing touchdown list, 96 on the passing yards list. 
That's Personally, in my opinion, in my personal opinion, if you are a quarterback trying to get into the Hall of Fame and you didn't play way back when, you're like a new school modern guy, mm-hmm. if you don't touch that top 10 list, get out of here. Yeah, but these yeah. guys aren't thinking about Hall of Fame when they're playing this game. They're thinking about winning the game for their team, no, no, doing I, what they can. They're not thinking about Hall of Fame. But when you're looking – when you take the Hall of Fame – the Hall of Fame is the greatest of all time. That's what it is, right? Uh-huh. It is the best of the best. These guys are already the best athletes in the world because they, you just think about it, all right? You got little kids playing peewee football, right? right? Best ones right. are those guys go on and play high school football. Mm-hmm. The best guys that play in high school football, they go in and play in college football. Mm-hmm. You know, the select few that go in from college football go into the NFL. And then even there, you break it down further, right? Down to the right. guys that like, have barely, like, the best, the most elite players of all time, right? You have to basically check every single box to get in there right? You have to have the best numbers. You have to be that unstoppable player. Like you have to literally be a winning guy. I have the argument that will, that will, um, Joe Thomas is the argument. (laughs) Huh? (laughs) Joe Thomas is the argument. Wait, what, what about him? What? Like Joe Thomas was on the Browns. They never won, but he's going to be a first ballot hall of famer. Yeah, for sure. My, my argument is this about, Michael Vick. How many more touchdowns do you think that he's thrown than Blake Bortles? Blake Bortles. Okay. How many so more? Said... T- it's more. It's more. I will tell you that. But how many more touchdowns do you think Michael Vick has thrown than Blake Bortles? Jeez, this is the this epitome is of. Be... This is the epitome of not getting into the Hall of Fame. This is about to be bad. I can already tell. But then again, Michael Vick was running. Add Michael Vick's rushing touchdowns and passing touchdowns, then come steamy. But if I was just ask, answering the passing touchdowns, I'd say, I'd say 25 more. 30. Damn. 30. Blake Bortles, 30. Yeah, that's not Blake great for my sucks. argument. That is one season of throwing the football for James. You're good. No, that's a good season. That's a good season for 20. 30 touchdowns, but how yeah. Many, how many? You do 30 touchdowns. One. How many, just finally. How many more touchdowns do you think Kirk Cousins has thrown than than Michael Vick? Kirk Cousins, who played on the Redskins, who we shitted his career up. No, Mike. Kirk Cousins throws touchdown passes. Um, they the game where you already be over and they're down by five touchdowns and he starts scoring, but he definitely scores. I think he's ahead of him. I don't know by how much. Probably he, like, he's he's ahead of him. I'll tell you that. Okay, fine, fine. If that's too much for you. No, no, no. Let me guess. Kirk Cousins, okay, I'd say he's ahead of him by by 40. 22. Ooh, Kirk, that's not that great. <laughs> I, I mean, okay, okay, okay. This is my last one, and we'll, we will end this, okay? Who do you think has more passing touchdowns, and by how many? Jim Harbaugh, who is not <laughs> known to be – a quarterback and then be a coach. Yeah. Or Michael Vick. Who do you think has more and by how many? I think Michael Vick by like 15. I think Michael Vick by like one. Michael Vick by four. Damn. Yeah, because okay, Jim not, had a not, solid not, career. Jim, that's listen, a... Listen, I love Michael Vick, but that's my argument though. That's the argument against him. 
Jim had a good career. I knew that he was a good quarterback, but yeah. I'm not saying Michael Vick's the first Hall of Famer in, but the dude needs to be considered because he was the oh, first no, of the- he will be. He will be. He will be considered. I don't think he'll think get he'll, in. He changed the game. Yeah, I think he will get in on, on the fact that he changed the game. But if it's an argument of him against other quarterbacks, it's going to be tough to win. If it's just JK, that, the argument. JK, there's one player in the entire history of the NFL, entire hundred years of the NFL, there's only been one player to ever receive during their professional career two separate $100 million contract offers. It's such a dumb argument. Do you know who that player is? Michael Vick. Michael the Vick, baby. The only player. You know All why? your Tom Brady's and Peyton Manning's and the first Big Ben. The first one was taken away from him. Doesn't matter, man. <laughs> to get offered a second one, that means you still have that kind of ability no. to convince a GM. Yeah, Michael listen, the yes, Vick. Sure, sure. That's fine. I mean, that, that's fine. I, Never I forget know. it. The only okay, one. Right. The only one. Drew Brees, no. Aaron Rodgers, no. Patrick Mahomes, no. The only one. Patrick Mahomes has only been in the... Never mind. Okay, forget not going to do this. <laughs> All right, guys. I'll call next. Make sure you subscribe to this shit. Um, and we'll figure out what we're doing next. I don't know what we're doing next. I don't want to get... Leave a comment. Follow us on Twitter. Hopefully, NFL is back in a couple more weeks. Yes, sir. All right, y'all. Peace. Peace. That's some Sean Taylor.